is up everybody just giving folks a few minutes to uh cycle into the room here and we'll get going um i think the uh, notification just went out so uh should be just a minute here um thanks for hopping in yeah i see uh folks coming into the room now so um we'll get started here in just a second nick baumgartner will be joining me in a little bit he's got uh i think he's knocking out an interview right now and then i'll be in for a few minutes so the first first couple of you up will have to uh talk to just me have your drafts judged by just me so um if you haven't uh, done this before uh, if you weren't part of our live room last time or haven't hopped into any other live rooms just a quick primer on how this works so we got a couple ways you can get into the mix here there's a should see the chat tab at the top of the uh, app there or uh, maybe on the website. I'm not sure if it works on the website or not, but definitely at the top of the app, you can hop in the chat and uh, leave messages for us. Um, we can get to those questions as we uh, get going here too. Um, and then you can also raise your hand and come up. Uh, it's called coming up on stage with us. So um, pop in there and see, we already got a couple folks waiting to talk. So um yeah, we that's uh, how it works. We'll pull you up. It's basically just like uh, talk radio. Once you get in the room with us, you can have a little conversation. We'll try to move through as many people as we can here in the next hour. Um, just sort of start at the top, and we'll work our way down this draft and, and give you an opportunity to let us know what your mock drafts look like and what you think the Lions might do at each pick. So um, I, I think the uh, starting point probably – for anyone hopping on right away would be kind of the three scenarios I think we're looking at for number two, uh, aside from a trade down, you know, Trayvon Walker goes one to the Jags, Aiden Hutchinson goes one to the Jags, or none of the edge guys go one to the Jags. And then what that leaves for the Lions, what you think will happen there. So um, like I said, Nick will be along in a bit and we can hop into things. Uh, we got Andrew, who I believe uh <laughs> is uh, a buddy of mine who told me he was coming on. So let's see if we can get him in, get this working and you can, everyone can have a listen for how this uh, goes down. Andrew, how's it going, man? What's going how's on, it? man? How are you? How are you? Thank, good. Thanks good. For the heads up. Yeah. First time caller. Good time. Th- good time to th- get on. Thanks for the heads up that you were coming in. I know you yeah, missed yeah, the last one. So, uh, so I know you've been doing mock drafts this morning, like everyone else, right? Uh, so yeah. I got two. Uh, I did one from the Draft Network, one from Pro Football Focus. You know, since they have different formulas in the back for how it works, uh, the Draft Network one, it, it was kind of interesting. You know, did Walker go first? Uh, I took Hutchinson at two. Uh, okay. fi- fi- finished off the round with Lewis Seen. You know, I've, you all, you know, both you and Nick really like Seen. You really talked me into that, that pick. Uh, things got weird. Uh, Ajabo was still on the board at 34. That felt like a value that the Lions would want to take, seeing as, you know, he could play outside linebacker potentially or pass rush specialist. So doubled down on that. Uh, Kenny Pickett was still around in the third round. So okay. we took him. Well, now we're off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> We've lost. We lost it. I, you know, don't know what happened there. And then finish it up with uh, Channing Tindall, uh, Reggie Robertson from SMU, Sam Wed from Missouri Western State, who I think has got great. Uh, you know, metrics and whatnot. And then sure. Yeah. You've been all over him. Um, <laughs> and then Tyler Algeria. From, so talk uh, to me about, so you said draft network had Walker going one. Uh-huh. What about the, the pro fo- football focus one? Have pro football had Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Okay. Yeah. So what's your, what was your pick there? Hutchinson's uh, gone. Took Thibodeau at two. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, that's sort of the, 
I'll let Nick weigh in here. We got to do our last mock draft. We're going to go through ours tomorrow morning. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's sort of the conversation that, uh, is there a scenario where the Lions don't come out of two with either Thibodeau or Hutchinson? Basically, like, what, what is Walker get in there at some point? I think is what A, what we're trying to figure out. And then B, if they'd pass on Hutchinson if he's there, which I think is more on the table than maybe we would have thought a little bit ago. So. Um, I'll let you weigh in first on that, uh, and then we can start cycling through. So I know we've got some other people waiting to drop in mock drafts here. But um, if they, let's say, uh, what was the scenario? Let's say Walker goes one, and the Lions take Thibodeau two. What would your, be your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, I think, right, the, the question with the Lions right now is they need... Oh, man, the pup, pup did not like that one. Things pup are going back. Like the dog, dog not happy with pup that. Pup on touch. Uh, the uh, the big question I think with the Lions is that they need a you know they or do they feel like they need a, a guaranteed hit too or somebody that they feel like could grow out of what they're they're doing right you know Kivido is a little bit more boomer bust in that he could be he's going to be able to do that pass rush but can he develop into stopping the run whereas you have a guaranteed player with a high high floor low ceiling in Hutch and so. You know, I would get it if they have, if they feel like they can work Thibodeau and they have faith in that defensive staff that he can really, uh, emerge and grow. Then that, that pick makes a lot more sense to me than saying that, you know, Hutchinson's your finished product. This is what you're going to get. But, you know, I, I don't know if they could, I don't know if they could really afford to miss it too. I mean, Hutchinson feels like such a lock if he's there. You're going to get a guy that's going to at least play the full five years at a, you know, mid to high level. I mean, that's when you're rebuilding, it feels like you really need that stuff. All right. Thanks for getting us started. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. <laughs> we got a couple more folks here. I want to hit the chat, too. Um, it's interesting that point Andrew just mentioned, you know, Hutch. I think that's the general consensus, right? Like Hutch is the high ceiling, lowest floor of the top three. And then uh, Thibodeau is maybe the lowest floor, um, highest ceiling, and, and Walker somewhere in the mix there. Uh, and I think it's interesting because I, it's sort of been – projected is that Hutchinson doesn't have all that high of a floor. And I don't know that that's necessarily true, especially relative to some of these other guys. Like, I don't know that you look at Trayvon Walker and think, well, he's going to rack up a hundred more career sacks than Aiden Hutchinson will. And Hutchinson's just going to be a solid three down guy for you. So I, I think there is quite a bit of upside there still in Hutchinson. I, I get certainly the argument that he's maybe closer to a Closer to being maxed out or closer to being a finished product at this point, which I think you could pile a lot of that under under his pros column too. It was just that you know he understands how to, to talk about the arm length, but he understands how to use his hands and and set up his moves. So I, I don't know. It's interesting. I we'll never really find out. I don't think, but I'd be curious to see sort of how the Lions stack those guys is from poten- a potential standpoint because I don't know that there's a like, I don't think the ceiling for Thibodeau is way, way through the stratosphere and Hutchinson is, you know, just down as like a average draft pick who, who could step in early. So, um, like I mentioned, we got the chat rolling too. Nick will be here in a few minutes to help, uh, probably be more critical of your mocks than I will, because that's, that's the way Nick goes. Um, uh, looking at the chat, uh, Chad H up top, do you think the Lions would take Thibodeau over Walker? I, do <laughs> I, everything right now? I, I feel um, 
feel bad sort of couching everything because I we keep hearing different things. Even last night I had someone uh, through a source mention that they don't expect Walker to get past two. And that was a couple hours after some another source sort of close to the team mentioned that they think Thibodeau might be the pick regardless of whether Hutchins is there. So those are very different answers, obviously. I, my hunch is that Thibodeau would be the pick over Walker. I think that they really, really like Thibodeau. And like I said, I think Thibodeau would be uh, kind of the conversation with Hutchinson too, because I think Brad Holmes really likes Thibodeau. And I think a lot of what they've been trying to do over the past couple months is figure out if all the boxes are checked off with how Thibodeau would mesh with Dan Campbell and all those things. And from a talent standpoint, I think Brad Holmes might prefer Thibodeau to anyone in this class. So, uh, yes, I guess my answer is I think they would take Thibodeau over Walker, but as with anything right now, which is wild, you know, seven, not even 72 hours, 48, what are we, 56 hours out? Struggled on the math there, but it's, I don't know that anything's certain still, which is crazy. So uh, my answer to that one is yes, I think they would take Thibodeau over Walker, but I do think they like Walker too. So, um, and then I see uh, Dale asked if Hutchinson's going to fall to two. I mean, it seems that way right now. And I think you look back at Trent Balky's draft history, which he's picking for Jacksonville, certainly would point you towards Trayvon Walker of the three, he's really taken off. I know our Dean Brugler was maybe the first guy that was on him as a top five pick, but ever since his testing numbers especially came out, uh, he's really taken off. I guess he's done well in the process too, you know, the interviews and all that. So it seems like Hutchinson's going to be there. Um, again, no guarantees, but that would set up a very interesting conversation of Hutchinson against uh, Walker. So uh, let's hit back into our audience here. We got Jack C., See if we get Jack in here. Jack, uh, gotcha. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, what's going on? Hey, man. Good stuff. Thanks for having us. Yeah, appreciate um, you. So I have I have two things. Okay. Um, so I was thinking. I've just been thinking about you know Thibodeau, Hutchinson. I know you guys are probably sick of talking about it, but I just I don't see a world in which like to me Hutchinson. Everyone's saying high floor, low ceiling. And the comparison I always get is like Kyle Vandenbosch. Like that's the way people always describe him. Like that's the ideal version of Aiden Hutchinson. And I feel like people always compare someone like Thibodeau to like a Jadavion uh, Clowney. Um, and to me, like if that's what those two are going to be like, like I would rather take my bet on a Jadavion Clowney in this defense through the draft and then find someone like a uh, Aiden Hutchinson through free agency. Maybe that's wrong. Like maybe that, that isn't, you're able, you're not able to find those people as easily through free agency, but someone who can, whose specialty is pass rushing. And that's what they're really good at. I think is more helpful to this defense immediately than someone who's really good at like setting the run, even though I know that's what they really value in this defense. I just feel like that's what this defense is missing most is someone who can like really disrupt the pass. And even if Thibodeau never elevates himself and maybe stays middle of the road with like run defense and all those sorts of things, I just feel like that's where you got to look at like what is going to like set this defense up for like future success. And I think that it too, like in a weak class, you know, compared to other ones, like you, I just feel like you got to take that chance on like, well, his, his trait that he's really good at right now is pass rushing. So that's what I that's what I think. I feel like if Thibodeau's there, that's gotta be the pick. And I feel like all the visits, all the all the, the scouts that were sent, you know, especially the pro day, like that's just to me like further indication that like I just think Thibodeau's the guy. I, even if Hutchinson's there. 
Yeah, I mean, I to some extent, I agree with that last point. Um, like I said, I think I think Holmes really, really likes Thibodeau, and so I I think a lot of it is just trying to figure out if it's going to make sense to what they want to be everywhere. Um, and, and so obviously that loops in the rest of the scouting staff and, you know, Spielman and John Dorsey and certainly Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn and all those guys. I, for me, um, I get the Van and Bosch comparison. I think that's what I think Lance Zierlein had that on NFL.com um, in terms of the type of player, like just the role he would play. I think that makes sense. I don't get as much clowny out of Thibodeau as other people do. I, I get the, I guess I get the comparison in terms of just the way that they win up front and sort of the, you know, the heavy hands and the power and all that. I think Thibodeau would play more of a, like in this defense, I think Thibodeau basically would be like a souped up version of Julian Okwara to some extent like that. I think that that's the type of role he'd be in. But again, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really the conversation that you're trying to figure out is if, I guess if you're sort of comparing like is the best version of Hutchinson does it make you feel more secure than the worst version of what Thibodeau could be, if that makes sense? You know, like if Thibodeau's right. just a guy who who ends up being like a, a terrific athlete and can help you a little bit against the run, but you're using him mostly in sub packages and he's really good there, would you rather have that if he's a dynamic pass rusher than Hutchinson being, you know, the the top end for Hutchinson? Again, I think you can debate what that range is, but if he's a if he's just like a steady three down guy for you, I don't know. I mean, I think they, I think eventually they need to find the guy who is the game changing pass rusher. So I get your point there. I, I think there's some wiggle room to debate whether really anyone in this class is going to be that guy. Frankly, I think that's why it's so hard because I don't think it's not like watching chase young and you're like, Oh, he's going to have 15 sacks. I don't know that there's anyone in this class that you do that with. Well, here's a, here's, here's a hypothetical for you, and think about this. So think back to that Ravens game where they got burned on that third and long. Yep. Think about if you if you have Thibodeau or Hutchinson, which one do you want in that situation if you're dropping everybody and only rushing three to get to Lamar, you know? And that's how I think about it. Like, I would rather have that piece because I feel like on those third and longs, if the lines are keeping games close, like say just con- for consistency's sake, they're keeping games close, next year like things are still tight they're not blowing anybody out but you get down to those games where it's like okay it's like you know final possession third and 15 and you're dropping everybody into coverage and you're rushing three like to me those are the situations where the lions kind of historically get burned and like give up the 15 the 20 yard play because there's no pressure and to me that's where i feel like that's where you need someone like a Thibodeau to be like okay like just get after the quarterback I think like Thibodeau would be much better suited to you could just put him and two other guys and you, you might win more of those, those battles. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand it. Thanks, Jack. I'm going to hop on to a couple more, uh, a couple more folks here, but yeah, I mean, I, I certainly understand that argument. And again, that's why I say, like, I think the convert so much of the conversation now is, is I guess really just specific to Hutchinson. Like, what do you think Hutchinson can be? <laughs> because I know there's some folks out there, uh, and I've heard from a lot of you on Twitter. There's certainly some crossover between uh, 
Lions fans and Michigan State fans, I think, who don't like Hutchinson as much. But it, just in general, I think the, the conversation is just what you brought up there. You know, if if you're going to be picking at two in a class where it's it's so-so at the top, do you go the safe route or do you take this guy who maybe is your home run? Maybe that missing piece, that thing you haven't had. Because I think Hutchinson, you know, if he's really good, I mean, I think you look at sort of what o- Romeo Okora's production has been uh, when he's been healthy. And like, that would be a really good outcome for, I'm going to, you're hearing me typing because I'm pulling up Okora's stats, but like, that would be uh, a really good outcome for Hutchinson first, second, third year. You know, Hutch- Okora had 10 sacks. He had uh, 18 quarterback hits. You'd like to get more than that in terms of just raw pressure from Hutchinson. But I think, you know, Okora was a guy who was out there, uh, 70% of the snaps for the lions two years ago. So, I think that that's what you're talking about. Would you rather have that? Well, you know you can get that, then maybe you find something special in Thibodeau. I, if you're looking for answers for me, I don't know. I'm going to apologize for not having them, but uh, it is a really interesting conversation. I think that's what we've been talking about for even beyond like when it seemed like Walker was going to go one. This is what we were talking about throughout the tail end of the college season when we knew the Lions were going to be here at two. This was the conversation of Hutchinson against uh, Thibodeau. Hit a couple in the chat here and then uh, bounce back to some uh, audience members and get them on stage. I think we'll have Nick here in a couple minutes. Um, uh, Chris H asked two part question. What are the chances Lewis seen drops to 32 and do you think they'd be willing to move up a few spots to get him? Uh, I think there's a chance he's there. It's sort of hard to figure out where these safeties and linebackers are going to go. I think they're in a really good spot at 32, 34. If they want to go one of each there, it seems like the board's going to fall well. Scene's kind of tough to plug in. Uh, really, they're all tough to plug in because they're all so different. Like Dax Hill is another guy I think you're going to see in that range. And, you know, do you like him as a versatile chess piece or do you think he'd rather have someone who's really good at one thing as opposed to that, you know, guy who can do a bunch of different things? But I think Scene um, should get into the 20s. And then, yeah, you're talking about the trade-up scenario, which I think is – possible i mean that's been one of the other things nick and i have kind of heard some buzz about the last couple days is maybe the lions get their guy at two whoever it is and then target someone in that defensive backfield um i guess if one of the cornerbacks really starts to slide like if the concerns about Derek stingley's injury push him into the like 15 to 20 range maybe you think about that but yeah i think it's possible i i guess you kind of weigh you know, I don't know that they want to give up extra stuff this year, which is the hard part. So you could get it into next year to get up to 22 or 24 or whatever. You're giving up the uh, comp pick you have this year. I, I mean, it's, it's tough because there are so many guys there. I think you can sit and wait. This is one of the things Holmes talked about last year, being patient. He wanted to trade up for Onzerike. He wanted to trade up for St. Brown. He did trade up for Barnes, and he talked about just being patient and making sure he didn't give up too much to do that. So, um I don't know. I could see them trading up, certainly, for a defensive guy. I don't think it's a lock that they sit at 32 or trade back. I think it's on the table for them to look in that 20 range and say, let's just go get someone, feel good about him, probably hang on to pick 34. I don't think it would take 32 and 34 to go up four or five spots. So uh, you still could come out of that with three starters, really. Uh, Let's get uh, Dan M. in here. Dan, I got you. Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. How's it going? Well, how about you guys? Doing well. I'm here now, guys. Oh, hey, there we go. <laughs> Sorry about that. 
All right, we got Nick in here too. And uh, Dan, what's going on, man? Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, doing all right. There's been a lot of talk about getting another X receiver like DJ Chark, but with the way the offense is set up now and having one receiver at each of the positions, do you think they maybe wait and look at a Calvin Austin or someone with speed to separate and make more plays? What do you think, Nick? I'll let you get to the get, get, say hi. To yeah, the yeah. I'll say hi. That's sorry about that, everyone. I was a little late uh, to the call, but that's a good question. And I think that it's something that we talk about a lot um, every year. And Chris, I mean, we were just talking about this um, and some, I guess it was probably the big board or maybe something else we were doing about, you know, contracts and trades and who wants to pay who at receiver and who doesn't and how long you can wait. And I really do wonder about that. I mean, like the X, you can wait on an X. Uh, like we've talked about in Tolbert, but there's guys later, like he just mentioned Kelvin Austin, there's Danny Gray from SMU, there's guys in the third, into the fourth, and maybe even further. Like a Bo Melton, right? Yeah. Bo Melton later. Melton's another one that that you could even wait on. And I actually think there was a kid from, um, in last year's draft, and I can't remember, I think it was last year's draft, the kid from North Texas that was like a gadget player that I thought really would have fit with what they're doing. And they've got a lot, there's a Vilas Jones, Jalen Darden, I think, was the yeah, guy yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah. And so Vilas Jones, Calvin Austin, Melton, like those are guys I think actually that would fit with the, the run. Boise State and, kid too. Uh, yeah, Khalil. Yeah. Khalil Shaker. Yep. Here. So I agree. I think that that's something you could definitely add. I think you could do both. I think you could actually do an X and like a gadget guy because I think you're going to need one eventually at some point anyway. I mean, I think that the, I think the shark signing and the fact that Holmes already mentioned like, oh, we'll take a look at the franchise tag if he plays well. <laughs> like, I think that they've yeah, done yeah. that. And a lot of these moves, especially a lot of these one-year moves, is done to sort of uh, insulate themselves to make sure, like, because if you didn't have Shark right now, you'd be going into this draft and saying, all right, well, we have to we have to come out of there with probably one of the top four or five guys. Like, we have to figure out a way to get Drake London or Traylon Burks or Olave or something. We have to right have because you can't and right, and like golf. You can't reasonably ask him to just go out there again and be like, dude, you're gonna play with guys that we found in the parking lot. So like you can't like right. you can't do that. <laughs> but to your point, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean that was yeah, that was just my point. I think that 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 gives them an opportunity to sit and wait. And there are a bunch of guys in that three four range. Like maybe use that comp pick at ninety seven, whatever it is, and take a receiver. I think that they have that opportunity to do that uh dan do you have a favorite in there like i know you mentioned a few names is there a guy it's austin the guy that you'd want well the way they talk the way randall l talked about austin at the senior bowl um you know the way he separates even though he's small and creates that separation he's kind of like the um the poor man's chris Olave, having been at memphis and i just think that fits Goff's skill set better than uh he's not a staffer throwing 50 50 balls up all the time right he wants to see separation he wants to see yeah. that guy open and it feels like a guy like Austin or some of the others you mentioned. Um, I don't know if the X will get utilized until Goff gets more comfortable in the offense. Um, it took a while for him to throw up to Reynolds and and even the, the tight end twos as the season went on. So, I mean, that's really well said because I think it's it's about guys that can get open. Like he needs to be in an offense where like you look, you look at the guys he played with with the Rams. I mean, you know, all the guys they had success with, they all know how to get open. They're not. You know, obviously, Cup is a unique athlete and a special, you know, talent and everything else. But some of those other guys that, that had a lot of catches there aren't like overwhelming athletes or crazy, whatever. But they're just like they're like St. Brown. You know, they, they know how to get open and they just always are consistent with their route running. 
and all that stuff. So I think that like if Olave were to somehow oh, fall to the Lions, like that would be amazing. Like that trade would up be for him. Incredible. Or Garrett Wilson. But you know, like that's obviously I don't think either's gonna happen, but Olave was the one that we would talk about I, last fall that you're like, man. I think that's where the patience, uh, the patience Chris said makes a lot of sense, right? Because Mm -hmm. I think you hear a lot coming up to the draft, but there's so many receivers that are probably going to go in the mid rounds now that unless you're in love with Drake or a Jamison or someone, you're going to, we're not going to trade back from two. That would be awesome, but it won't happen. But you'd have to give up a lot. And there's too many good players at 32 and 34 to, to do that. Yeah. Agree. Appreciate it, Dan. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing is that, um, Ben Johnson mentioned down at the uh, combine is we all think of uh, the uh, the X receiver is like the Calvin Johnson, right? Like you need a six five huge guy, and he's like, no. Well, if you get someone who's got speed, game breaking speed can be an X. If you get someone who has uh, crafty, like you're saying, if he can just get open all the time. That can be an X. Like I think that they, it's not necessarily you need to go find the height, weight, speed guy. Like there are certain guys in this draft later on. Maybe, maybe they can be the X for you without being, yeah, no, I mean, you know, six four. Hundred percent. It's a, it's not about body type. It's not about you know frame, um, you know, or whatever. It's about can you be physical? Can you you know be sturdy? excuse me, on the outside, and can you get open over the top? I mean, that's really what you're looking for. So there's guys that, I think the difference would be, though, is there are some probably, like, you can't be, you know, weak from a physical standpoint in certain areas. Like, there's certain things that you, (coughs) excuse me, keep coughing here, certain things you can't be, you know, as an ex, I guess. But, no, I mean, it's not one size fits all, but it's more so that than it used to be. And I think that's part of why, this receiver conversation continues to be kind of fascinating. Like, you know, these guys, we talk about, you know, who's going to get a contract, who's not, who do you want to pay, who do you not want to pay? And for me, the answer continues to be receivers. Like, toward the end, people talk about not wanting to pay running backs. Like, I'm getting there with receiver. I don't <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, it's about the same, frankly, to me. Um, because I look at a running back some ways and say, you seem more valuable to me in, in what I'm doing offensively in the whole picture. If I can get a running back that can, you know, take 17 carries and catch seven passes. Okay. I'd rather pay him because you know what I'm saying? Like you look at things differently and things sort of change. So I can, I can definitely understand it. It's, it's a much more interesting conversation nowadays. Uh, one quickly from the chat here from Matthew M. Uh, what would be an acceptable draft for the lions? Something where they're not hitting a home run, but it's, instead uh, addresses the need with solid players. So I guess this is this is mostly beyond two for me. Like, what would this look like beyond whatever edge rusher they're getting? What do you yeah, – we yeah. talked about this a lot, but what do you think they need to come out of this draft with, uh, especially those picks in the top 100? I just it, – the more it's the more I've thought about it and sort of tried to – because we get to this point of the draft, right, and it's always like you sort of – try to get back out of the weeds and try to say, okay, have I like lost my mind completely and gone insane here? Like, is there something that I'm missing? And like, <laughs> for me, it's, yeah, the answer is always hundred percent. Yes. For me, it's like, I've decided with the lions, a good draft is, are you leaving Friday with three or four premium defensive players? Can you get enough defensive talent of a premium nature 
added to the pile here in this draft to not only help shorten your your build and everything else like we talked about, but also, Chris, let me ask you this part of it. Can you get enough here to entice Mr. Aaron Glenn to take a long ride with Dan Campbell and sort of ride this out and help build this thing? Because I think the more I think about it, like yeah. they, could, they could load up the man and like they could load up defensively and say, like, let's 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 anchor to these guys. We want to, you know, let's let them be involved more. And, and who we want to bring in here, I don't know. I mean, that's something that's definitely popped up into my head because, I mean, I think that you have so many needs defensively, and if you don't commit where they where you need to really commit premium-wise, you know, I think it starts to be a question, and so that's something I have thought about. But I would want to, I wanted to get your take on that. Like, do you agree or disagree? So you think there's a scenario where Aaron Glenn is just – Stays. No, like they make him a forever. huge no, part of this. Not, and he, not, okay, but like, but like for maybe longer than a year. Yeah, you know what I mean. Maybe like two or three years. Maybe like. Yeah, I mean, he hangs out for a minute. You know, that that could happen just naturally. I think it could. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. We talked about that at the end of last year, and and it's just this is the time now, right? Like they talk about being collaborative and everything. Like let let's have Aaron Glenn and Aubrey Pleasant help you making these picks on defense let's have Todd yeah. that's why they've had Todd watch I think the D-line coach spends so much time they mentioned that he's been with Thibodeau or Thibodeau a couple times like I think they want to have everyone involved and so that's you go back to that conversation of who they like it too I think Holmes loves Kayvon Thibodeau but it's not just home like he's not just saying all right that's the pick we're done let's move on to the next one it's right, let's get right. the opinion of every single person who's in the building and figure out where that leaves us and so I think that's a different setup than what you had maybe even under the last regime where it was like Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia were just like sitting in the corner with their little notebook and it's like oh that's who we like we like this guy we like this guy that's who we're taking right so I think that that's so I think that that's interesting I, I I think Aaron Glenn absolutely should have a part in not like well all right Aaron tell us who to take here but he should be no, like in if, if, it, if it was like a I don't know if it was like a tie or something. Yeah. Like you were like, hey, <laughs> okay, it's down to two defenders, let's say. Let's say it's yeah. down to two defenders, and you say, Aaron, which one do you like? Yeah, you know, I could see them definitely going down the road. But I also think just more than that, it's like, you know, you asked him last year and the whole staff, really, because you mentioned the whole staff, and it's really the whole staff. You asked them last year to take on a pretty tough project. With no yeah, talent, I guess so. You know, and like try to make the best of it, and they kind of did. So like, I'm sort of looking at it as like, okay, they did, man. Like maybe give them some talent, and let's see what they can do. Let's would give them some premium stuff, and let's see what they can do. Let's see how how much faster they can make you know this rebuild or whatever. And if and if they can't, they can't, I guess, and we'll have an answer there. But like that intrigues me, I guess. And so when the question of like what's a good draft for the Lions to me, it's like coming out of it with premium defensive guys who you know are going to be an impact, you know, starter, player, whatever, right away. And I think it's possible. So that's, you know, realistic. All right. Bringing in uh, Ron S. here. Uh, Ron, you got us? I sure do. Can you hear yes, me? Yes, sir. Yep. Which, yep. Way, which way you want to go here? You got a mock draft for us? You want to talk about uh, defense, these top <laughs> picks? I'll let you lead the way. All right, I'm gonna go off the board. Uh, but oh, first, I want right. to <laughs> I want to compliment you, Chris, on the Brad Holmes Q and A. I thought that was fantastic. Oh, appreciate it. Uh, Thank you. Especially when he's not going to share his big board or anything. You know, you, I thought you, thought you got quite a bit out of him. So, 
Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I tried. Um, I tried to get the answers on Kayvon Thibodeau at the end, and he wouldn't give them to me. So <laughs> in my best. So by going off the board here, um, I, I'm a subscribe. When I initially subscribed to the Athletic, I lived in Denver, and I just relocated back in November back to Michigan. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the Athletic host? a subscriber draft party in like 2018, 2019, somewhere in there? And if so, are you guys looking to get back to it since we're now coming slightly out of COVID? I would, that was probably, that was pre my time, but I think something like that happened. Uh, we did have a get together in Detroit. I don't know if it was true. I don't, think it was draft specific at least the like athletic detroit one was the entire i definitely, the, time definitely with yeah. the detroit staff we got together at a i remember Brendan somewhere talking about it once. yeah uh, which was cool it was awesome we probably had like you know 50 or 100 folks come by i think we had some mm-hmm. free t-shirts that uh got held up for a bit trying to get across the border <laughs> somehow i don't know why they were coming from canada but they got held up uh so um I would love to do another one. I think we could do a certainly could do a Lions one, like around training camp or something. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, we don't have anything planned, <laughs> as no, you can tell by my answer. But yeah, I mean, I think we'd be up for it. We don't really like it's not to get too far into the weeds here, but like the Athletic Detroit doesn't exist in the exact same way that it did uh, right. three or four years ago. Um, okay, like, well, the podcast does. So you know, all the Detroit writers are still here, but we, we don't uh, like. Like, I, we don't have the same editors now. We all had, like, one or two editors in the Athletic Detroit. It was all on the Athletic Detroit page, and now it's all kind of split up. But I think we could definitely get mm-hmm. most of the guys who live down there. They go to Tigers games together and go golfing all the time. I think we can get <laughs> everyone in the room yeah. at some point that. here. Yeah, I would certainly be up for that. But we yeah, don't have any plans yet. Uh, obviously, now that I live in the area, I wouldn't mind getting together and uh, showing my appreciation to you guys. So Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, That'd be great. we'd love to do that. Yeah, that was it. Awesome. Thanks, right. Ron. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Right. That's good to know. Yeah, I, but I'm always up for that. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to do something like that. So, uh, that would be actually be interesting to get everyone uh, and, like, because we've done those ro- uh, rebuild roundtables. And yeah. now that everyone is, like, you know, past the point of no return. Well, now, whether or not they're done is <laughs> a separate issue. They're past the point of no return. That's on, true. Like, you're in your pot committed now. That's to true. what you're doing, right? So... Yeah, or at least the Lions will be after uh, after uh, Thursday, more or less. Yeah, right. All right, let's bring in. <laughs> let's bring in. I'm thinking about where we, which bar we should go to. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll bring in Mike, Michael B here. Uh, Michael, how's it going? Good. You guys enjoying the uh, the weather we have here? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> like Sunday was like just bullshit. It was a tease. I was like, no, it's all going away, Always. everybody. Like, I hope you guys enjoy the, the weekend, because here we go. A chance Mike of snow tonight, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, what's what's going on, Michael? Good. So, uh, so, kind of an inside baseball question here. Uh, Chris, I guess it's for you as the uh, the resident beat writer, but uh, I basically want to know what scenario is just going to have you pulling your hair out uh, and just make your night miserable on Thursday night. Like if, if the you know, Giants fall in love with uh, Hutchinson and trade up to two and the Lions go best player available and take a Quanu or something, like what is just your least, worst case scenario for you personally? Oh, man, that's a good question. I, it's interesting, people, because this sort of goes back to like uh, – 
people always ask me what it's like to write for a team that loses so much. And, it, and oh, Nick, Nick, we yeah. probably have the same answer. Like we got to work either way, you know, yeah, like, yeah. we got to write whether they win or lose. So it's, I think just in terms of what the reaction would be. And in terms of what I, I guess, like, I will say <laughs> right now, I'm least prepared for them to take like a cornerback or an offensive lineman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I, ha- I we've looked at Equanu certainly, we, you know, like I'm familiar with Gardner and, and Stingley. Like we've watched those guys, but that, those are the scenarios I haven't really played out in my head a ton. Let so me tell you, your, let me tell you. <laughs> tell me, hit me. Is it a quarterback? Is it Malik Willis? Yes. Yes, yeah. yes, it is. Okay. Your, well, your, nightmare, <laughs> your nightmare scenario that you are going to have to like, if, you know, that in terms of, that we'd have to deal with people being like, what's happening here would be if they were yeah. to completely commit to a quarterback. Yeah. They took I, think that, I think that's the <laughs> nightmare. I mean, I think I don't even want to use the term night, like the phrase nightmare. Not because but, he's a bad player. Right. But just because it would cause a lot of questions. And I, that's, oh, that's the thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think in terms of all the extra stuff that would have to come after it, it would probably be yeah. them getting Willis at two or trading up, like using 32 and 34 mm-hmm. and trading to like 19 for like, I don't yeah, know, obviously Matt like Corral and being yeah, like, right. what just happened? And that's, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I guess that's the night. I guess they all revolve. Well, around well there it is, what's, everyone. They're trading up for Sam Hull. Uh, what's, uh, what's your nightmare scenario, Michael? Uh, I, I just want the entertainment value of them going all <laughs> offense and just oh, oh, there we go. Aaron Glenn trot out <laughs> Leave. year yeah. of, of nobodies and just trying to hold it together. Uh, yeah, that would What's be that would, nightmare scenario. <laughs> that would, that would be off. But like, it's, isn't it funny though, or interesting at least that we talk about these nightmare scenarios and I guess there's always a possibility because we've all seen the lines for enough time to never rule out any, anything uh, of that nature to happen, right? But, like, this regime, I would be surprised at something crazy from this group. It would surprise me. I mean, honestly. So, I think that is different uh, based on, like, what we've seen from recent Lions regimes, anyway. Yeah. I don't, yeah. You, you feel guarded against the nightmare scenario to some extent. But well, I, right. I, You're always going we'll to, see. but, you It's know, only been yeah. one year of them drafting, yeah, yeah. so. Uh, all right. Well, We'll see. Now, now I'm. I can't stop thinking about what would be the worst case scenario. I'm in my head now. <laughs> the worst case scenario would be the Lions forget to bring the food for <laughs> the draft night. So it's worst the case, yeah, yeah. It would. It'd probably be more like. Uh, it would be the quarterback because it would just be more. Thanks, boring. Michael. It would be like more stuff. Thank you, Michael. Uh, yeah. Let's. Uh, I'll hit a couple more in the chat here, then we can bounce back. We got three more people waiting. If you want to get on stage, we're trying to roll through as much as many of these as possible. Um, Raise your hand. We'll try and get you in here. Um, let's see. We'll find a couple here. Uh, Ronald, who I think we just talked to, do you see Sam Howell being available in the Lions draft at 66? I think there are a couple quarterback, mm-hmm. like mid-round quarterback. Is there? There's another one which I can't find out. Like, is there any value taking a QB in the mid-rounds, or is it just round one or bust? Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you, uh, Sam Howell specifically, and then I guess just in terms of if they were to use 66 or – 97 or whatever on a QB, would you be, I, I don't know, what would your reaction be? Uh, well, I uh, mean, it would it would depend on the quarterback. I think it would depend on what happened and everything else. Uh, I, you know, I, I, we talked about this, I think, on last week's show or maybe even on something that we uh, wrote recently. For me, you know, 
after those three, and I don't even really include Pickett because I don't think that would be a guy for you know what they need here and now uh, in terms of the fit with golf or everything else. I don't know if that would make more sense. Willis and Ritter are the guys. After that, I'm not as I'm not as on board with it. You know, honestly, for them, you know, that high of a pick, I, I would rather. I think if we're talking about a third round pick here, or no, I, I think I would be against that maybe until like the fifth or sixth in this class because I just. After those guys, Willis and Ritter are the guys that I like, but I just, I like other stuff more than I like Matt Corral, you know, or Howell yeah. if they slipped. That's just me. But I mean, I could, I, I would be willing to take the ride with it if it were Howell or maybe Corral or maybe Zappy. You and like say, Zappy though. I think yeah, I, mean, I, 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 like enough, I like enough about all those guys, but I don't know if I would want, you know, if I don't know if I'd want to use a pick on power Detroit given everything they need, because I just, if they had less needs, you know, then I would be like, yeah, let's do that. But that yeah. just doesn't seem to be the case here. I I have said, I think they do like Howell. Um, I, I've seen him now popping up in mock drafts. NFL Network just had him there. I saw another one this morning where they have him at 32. <laughs> That's – I don't like him there. I don't – No, I don't, know. I don't. I don't think there's – and I've talked about this on Twitter. Like, I, I don't think there's enough value to the fifth-round – the 50-year the contract uh, ability to get a guy at 32. Like, I don't think that that's enough to, to, no, no. Up, to have the fifth-year contract option. Jeez, can't talk. Um, but I think they do like Howell. I think he's interesting. That he was down there at the senior bowl with them. Um, and that's a guy that, yeah, maybe you bring him in and just sort of figure it out as it goes and let him sit and learn. And if you – to me, the ideal scenario to getting a guy like that is you trade out a 32 – you get like 40 and then they, another round three pick or something. And you use one of those extra picks on it. Cause then you say, yeah. all right, well, it's kind of a luxury at this point. We didn't have this pick before. We still got all the stuff we needed. Let's take a shot. I don't, if they take Sam Howell at 32, I think that I'm with you. I think that's just missing too much a defense, especially that's on the board there, but the wide receivers will be there. Like you could find, if you think you need to replace Vitae, you can get a guard there. Like I think oh, yeah. there's, oh, yeah. A lot of stuff that you need uh, besides a quarterback there. So um, let's bring in our next uh, guest here, Jacob B., which hopefully is not my son calling from school. And is, uh, one of our listeners. I hope it is. Yeah, class sucks. I'm in class. Lunch is terrible. I'm calling it. No. Uh, yeah. Love, the, love, love your guys' work. Uh, congrats, uh, Nick, on the promotion. And, oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, and Chris, it was uh, really good to – they talked about it previously, but with uh, the Q&A with Brad. And I really enjoy, like, kind of, like, the smoke and mirrors aspect of the draft. And there isn't a whole lot that the Lions can hide at, too, this year with the quarterback class and how it is. But with last year and the uh, – I guess it would be, uh, like, the in-person visits weren't really a thing. It was all virtual. Right. Uh, we don't really know what this regime tends to do with their visits, you know, and if they're, are they trying to show, you know, other teams, you know, being very, you know, clear at pro days or whatever, if, and if that tends to lead to the guys that they pick. Uh, so I was curious on your thoughts on like, with how, uh, vocal they've been about Kayvon and being like very present at the pro day and everything. Is that, do you think that is saying um, that they have questions about him and they're bringing him back to Allen Park and talking with him with Dan and everything? Or do you think they just really like him that much? 
and they just want to know them as best they can? That's a really good question. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think it's, it's a little bit of both. And I also would mention like it, and it was in Holmes mentioned it too, at the end of that Q and a, you know, there's been a lot about, well, they went out to Oregon's pro day. They bought a bunch of guys out there. They brought Thibodeau in after that. Like they must love yeah. him. They spent yeah. all his time with him. They did the same thing with Hutchinson. And obviously that's a local pro day, but they all right. took an army out to Michigan. And then Hutchinson came in after that to uh, Allen Park. So they, they put the time in there too. I mean, I think the thing with Thibodeau that's been interesting is that Campbell and now Holmes have both said the reason they're putting an extra, the reason they've sort of left it generic, but it's been pretty obvious they've been talking about Thibodeau. The reason they're putting an extra time is because there's been questions they haven't been able to answer so far. And so I guess, like, I don't know, Nick, like, what's your read? At, like, we've had this conversation before. What's your read on them saying that even? Is that a red flag for you on Thibodeau? Or is that just sort of part of the process here? I, I, it's been really well, hard to figure out. That's a great question. The whole thing is a great question. And the whole thing is fascinating. It's one of my most fascinating things with these two, with Holmes and Campbell, that I can't quite figure out. Um, and, you know, it's like, is, are they... I don't think Campbell can tell a lie. I don't think he knows how. I don't think it's in his personality. I don't think he can do it. I don't think, like, the shrouded whatever. But there are times where Holmes will say stuff that I'm like, I think he's trying to, like, be very careful with what he's saying here. And then there's sometimes where I'm like, maybe he's not. He's talking. You know, so, like, I I don't know. But with the Kayvon thing, my read on that was, and still sort of is, that that meant we have questions meant Dan Campbell needs to spend more time with um, Kayvon Thibodeau. He needs to be convinced yeah. the way that Brad Holmes, I would assume, having been around him more, you know, leading up to this draft, because as we talked about last week, you know, they've recruited or I'm sorry, they've uh, been scouting or he has been scouting Kayvon clearly you know, for two, three years, I would say as long as they've been scouting Sewell, at least um, or somewhere in that range. So I, I right. would say that it's probably more so for Campbell's benefit that that, yeah, and that, that all happened, right? As far yeah, as I understand i don't think campbell was at the pro day right uh and i think it part of it's the draft cycle right like it's so long and drawn out so we're kind of oregon's pro day was more recently but as far as i remember they sent a whole slew of guys down to georgia at their pro day so you know it's probably a whole lot of nothing that we're looking into and i i always go back to like bob quinn in the 2020 draft (laughs) trying to like (laughs) Tell the whole world that he was drafting a quarterback. Like he was oh pleading God. with the world so to bad. say, "Hey, we're taking a QB. Please trade up with us." And no one, no one bought. Everyone knew what he was lying. And so, <laughs> I, I appreciate having adults in the room now, but uh, it is interesting the different yeah. uh, different side of it. So yeah, I appreciate appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks, Jacob. Yeah, I mean, I it's the thing, the smokescreen thing. (laughs) I I do this all. It's like one of my pet peeves around the draft. I mention this all the time because there's a point where it doesn't make sense to me anymore. You know, like the argument that there's smokescreens around. Like, what would be the point for the Lions of trying to convince a team that they want that they're like going out of their way to to talk up Kayvon Thibodeau? Like, I don't think that there's necessarily a point there because i don't think like if i think you'd want to talk up the other guys right like you'd want to be like well we yeah willis is really good he might go one and then you get someone to, to trade right. up like right. i don't i just don't if you want a guy there's not really a point to 
smoke screening him because you're not going to trade out of that pick. So I, I think right, that, right. um, I think, I think you're right. I mean, I think the tip the Thibodeau stuff is, it's real. Like they're clearly interested. They clearly had questions about him that they didn't have answered as of the pro day and as of the visit. And I we just don't you know, know what those questions are. I think that's the, that's the hard part. It's hard to account for what those questions are. Cause I think with Hutchinson, we can say I think we could probably say most of the questions about Hutchinson are the on-field physical stuff, right? Like, is he oh, going to yeah, be yeah. good enough? Are his arms is the arm length going to be a is huge the pass rush going to be there? Right. right, and the Thibodeau stuff is the rest of it. Like, is he going to fit with what we're doing here? Um, yeah. yeah, but also you know the run game too, to a degree. But yes, it's mostly the off the field. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's. But, but, uh, you know, yeah, but it, but as we uh, as we discussed, not that big of a deal. I don't think at the end of the day. But yes, go ahead. I pulled Joseph, uh, Joseph S into our uh, chat. Joseph. So, Joseph, how's it going? Good. Uh, how are you guys doing? This is my first time uh, doing Very this. Very good. Nice. Welcome. Um, my question's a little uh, little less draft centric. Um, kind of focusing on the whole quarterback aspect. Uh, looking at Jared Goff. Over his past couple of years, I've—I mean, obviously, we're disappointed in the production he had in Detroit. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like interceptions, completion percentage, he's actually improving. So I was just wondering, say that the Lions avoid quarterback at all and completely ignore it in this draft, do you think that there's a chance that as Jared Goff becomes more comfortable next year, that we don't even have to look for a new quarterback in the next two years? So this came up actually in the comments of uh, the big board story yesterday. I don't know if you saw that, Chris. Um, I did not. It was a bit of a comment thread. <laughs> I usually wait to and get I, into the comments. I jumped into it for a, it was all good. It wasn't like anything, but it did come up, and it was like you know, um, and my answer was very noncommittal. But it was more or less like I'm not going to say I'm not going to tell Jared Goff what he can and can't do, but I think it would be very it would be a hell of a what is happening here for me if he were to turn. Himself, because as as Joseph's pointing out, you know the counting stats did improve and everything improved as last year went on. I think, but you know you have to remember, and I think you have to put this in perspective. It improved from a terrible place. He was playing very poorly when the season started, and for a minute there, you know, as we got into it, and, and you know injuries and things like this, and he calmed down, he settled in, brand new team, talent. We talked about all this. And those things got better. But at the same time, I think there's still something to be said about, like, is he making enough difference, making plays? Is he doing enough um, to finish drives? And has all of the careless stuff gone away? If all of those things are answered, then I think that it is in the realm of possibility that you could say maybe you extend the bridge. But I don't I don't know what he would need to do to give the resounding answer, like, this is our guy, we're extending him. You know what I mean? So, like, I think that maybe is the question. And, you know, Chris, I would ask you to unpack maybe some of that, too. I I think for me, a lot of it comes – I don't want to oversimplify it, but a lot of it comes back to what you and I have talked about a, about a lot, Nick, which is just that it's really hard to win in the NFL right now with a pocket quarterback. Right. right. And it can happen. Like, Matthew Stafford is essentially a pocket quarterback. He's got some mobility. He can, mm-hmm. he can hurt you if you leave him alone. He can go run for first down. But he's not – a dual threat quarterback. It's really hard to win unless you have Stafford or Tom Brady, you know, like one of those absolute elite guys. And Jared Goff doesn't give you 
anything from a mobility standpoint. And I think to some extent they like almost had to uh, over exaggerate some of the stuff for him last year to get him out of the pocket and to get him on the move and make sure he wasn't getting hit. And so that's, that's one of the things that I look at, you know, does he fit long-term? I think he can continue to play the way he did in the second half last year. I think this offense is going to be really well built to do some of the things he excels at. And certainly if they run the ball the way they want to, that'd take a load off him. I think he can play well for them. I think at some point this offense is going to need, you know, Dan Campbell always talks about wanting the big splash dynamic plays. Yeah. yeah. And that's the downfield stuff, which Goff has shown some of it in the past. He showed a little bit of it last year. I don't know that that's like the number one thing in his game. And the other splash plays you can get are the ones that you just create out of nothing. And he's not really doing any of that. Like if he, had done that reverse spin move out of the pocket and gotten sacked one more time last year. I was worried you were going to quit, man. Like I thought. Well, you like, were I mean, okay. So there's a, the reason why Anthony Lynn's not here anymore is uh, because they had to rebuild the offense in the middle of the year because Campbell was like, "Look, golf's our guy. We don't have yeah. so we have to change this. That's it. So no matter what you you know, what I mean? and I think that you know that's what happened. So like when we talk about this big picture. That's where it started. And so when we, when we, when like Joseph's question, where it ends, like, what would the picture look like for him to be the guy that you're just like, well, you don't even have to draft a quarterback. Who cares? Goff's the dude. I still feel like we're a long way away from that. <laughs> like, I mean, don't, don't you think? Like, I feel like he's got a lot to do here and a lot to prove, uh, maybe over a couple of years, frankly, uh, to get to that point. Well, if, Joseph, you know, if you're still here, I'll let you, I'll ask you before you get out of here, like, what can you, Fill us in a little bit on maybe what the expectations are from the fans for Jared Goff this year. Are people going into this year thinking he's going to have a really, really good season and be like a third touchdown guy? Or do you just want someone who keeps it together and lets, you know, the defense and the playmakers win it? For me, I mean, I was a big believer in Jared Goff because, I mean, obviously he had been to the Super Bowl. So it's obviously if the right pieces are there, he can do it. Um, I mean, coming into this next year, I think the biggest thing that fans are looking for, personally, like me and my friends, a lot of us are saying we just want to see some consistency at quarterback. Because, I mean, with everyone, I mean, you're even throwing in Tim Boyle and David Blau, who don't hold up very much at all. (laughs) So (laughs) it's just really looking for that consistent quarterback play. And if he can deliver that, I would be okay (laughs) with it. Yeah. Okay with it. Yeah. Well said. Well, I think. I, and, uh, thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks. Thank I you. mean, I think that's all they're looking for, right? Like, 100%, I think yeah, if yeah. he's consistent for 17 games next year, like I think they believe they can win nine. Like that's yeah, I think that's consistently oh, consistently decent, not consistently below average. Because I yeah, think no, they can go good. the other way good. too. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think they feel like if Jared Goff had a good year then they could be a team that wins nine games. Yeah. I don't know if I would agree with that, but that's what I think they would say that. Yes. I think but, they but, believe that. Cause I think they thought yeah. they were like, even back to last year. And I wrote this at some point, but I think they thought they were, they should have been like a six or seven win team last year. Yeah. And they, they weren't. And well, I mean, some of that was the offense. Some of those. Yeah. Go back and look at some of those games that they lost that we talked about, you know, by a couple possessions. And we focused so much at the time about, well, you couldn't close the game out because the defense got, you know, jumbled here or whatever. But most of those games that they couldn't close out were as a result of the offense screwing them, like seven straight possessions or something. <laughs> right. So, like, right. like to, a, to a degree, they're not wrong. And that's why I brought up the Lynn thing, because it's like, 
that's where that frustration was. It wasn't at any, uh, there was no coach to coach grinding there. And I don't even think it was anything personal with Lynn and Goff. I think it was just like, this is not what, this guy doesn't fit in my offense, what I'm going right. to do. Well, and when they and, hired you know, Anthony Lynn, like, Jared right, Goff was Goff not was the, the quarterback yeah, when so, they hired Anthony Lynn. Yeah, so, yeah. Like you uh, said, like he can't take a shot. He's not going to complete the deep pass. At the time, he was too skittish. So, you know, that, and that's, and I just, people have to keep that perspective. And I think you can't just look at the, you know, the, the numbers at the end, um, you know, because that's, you know, I think I always go back to, I think it was Matt Leinert in one of the games this year um, on the broadcast when they were just, lines were getting thumped and, you know, golf was like 14 to 16 in the fourth quarter. And Leinert's like, yeah, protect the rating, baby. Like all day, Mark Burnell's going to make sure <laughs> that rating stays exactly where it should be for the rest of this game. And that's what happens. So like, yeah, stats can be manipulated and they don't, they don't tell the whole picture with quarterbacks, as we know. Uh, get a couple more in the chat, and then we've got to flip the uh, the way we were at the start of the show, because I have to hop off, and I don't yeah, know yeah. if Nick's going to keep it going for a few over, minutes yeah. here. But, uh, so a couple more from the chat before I bounce uh, from Nathan P. Is there any way one of the teams with two first-rounders want to trade up to number two overall? Do you see any scenario there? I mean, that would have to be quarterback, I would think, right? Yeah, yeah. I just don't see why you would do it. You know, like you don't have to get up to two to get a quarterback. Or Everyone offensive kinda... tackle. I mean, I guess I could see, like, I don't think you get in both of those first-round picks if it's the Jets or the Giants. Like, I think maybe you get four and I think I the think only way you get it or is something. somebody wants Kayvon. If somebody wants Kayvon or Hutchinson. Well, maybe there's the smokescreen. That's why they've been smokescreening the whole time. Uh, I wonder about it. I wonder about it, yeah. Yeah, I don't – I'd be surprised. I mean, it's such a hard year to – it's <laughs> – it's one of those years we've been taught here and now for two weeks. Like everyone wants to trade down. Everyone wants to trade down. And we've talked to Brad Holmes a couple of times. Like, have you gotten any calls? Like, no, no one wants to come up yet. So <laughs> I think that that's where we're going to be. That's, I think that's yeah, what the yeah. situation is going to be. Like you've obviously got to have one of those teams like new Orleans yeah, to me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't get the sense that that's what new Orleans play. I don't know what new Orleans is doing. That trade that they made was one of the most confusing draft trades I've ever seen. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, we're all waiting for the second act here. I don't think know, they're coming up to two, but that I guess would be the one for me. Like they, maybe they think about it if that's what their plan was, but the, uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Then you have to have the conversation uh, of his 16 and whatever it is, 14 and 18 yeah. or whatever they have. Is that enough for you to go back? I don't know. That's the team, I guess. If there is one I'm curious about, that's the team because I just, like you said, I don't, I don't know what the rest of that plan was. I don't understand why they did that. They clearly had something in mind that we haven't seen yet. And I would yeah. also say this: remember last year um, when they were sitting there at whatever pick it was, and Fields was still on the board, yeah, and some other guys were still on the board, and they could have traded, they could have done a lot of stuff, um, and they didn't. They picked the guy they loved. So, like, I do right. think that that might be also like if that. Something to take into account. Like, I'm not so sure that they would be, or I don't know how much Brad Holmes is a fan of that or isn't, right? Like, if, if there's a guy that they've decided this is our dude, then they're not trading. And that's what they said about Sewell last year, and they didn't never backed off on it. And look at how it turned out, you know, at the end of the year. So I think that's part of it, too, to look at as well. All right. Last one that I'm going to try to answer here in the chat, and then I'll leave you, uh, leave mm-hmm. you good folks with Nick. Um, now I lost that question too. Uh, from Anthony K, uh, everybody expects an edge, receiver, linebacker, and safety to be addressed in the first two days. 
Uh, we all know the draft never goes as expected, though. So which of those positions do you think could go unaddressed until later at, or not at all? And then which positions do you think maybe flips into the first two days? So edge, receiver, linebacker, safety, like which one do you think they're least likely to take, especially with a top 100 pick there? Uh, receiver, uh, I would say yeah. the least likely on the receiver. And safety, I still don't know. Like, I'm still, like, mm. uh, <laughs> last year freaked me out, like, a little bit a little, on that, maybe. So, but I still don't know, but I would say receiver for sure on that I, one. Yeah. Would you agree on that? I would say receiver, and I'm sort of at the other spot in defense. Like, I think linebacker, to me, I, I'm kind of curious about, because mm-hmm. I think that they, we know how important safeties are to this defense, just from right, even, right. Uh, you know, getting things organized on the field, the, a mental standpoint, leadership standpoint. Um, they obviously just paid Tracy Walker to make sure that they had some stability there. So safety to me is the one that it's all sort of been setting up to pair a rookie with Tracy Walker and try and see if you could get to the next level. Uh, linebacker, I don't know. I mean, they brought back Anzalone. They've got some depth guys in there that they like. They brought the guy over from Baltimore. They've got Derek Barnes. And they're probably only going to play one or two linebackers on the field a lot of the time. Um, yeah, yeah. So that could be one where maybe you get, especially as we talk about like these hybrid safeties and and some of these linebackers that are like linebacker safeties, you know, I, I could see them waiting and trying to go um, for some athleticism or something at linebacker or just taking a safety who kind of crosses over. Like, like some of those, like Lewis seen some of these guys, yeah. like they cross over and, you know, Jalen Petrie, they yeah. essentially can act as linebackers for you in this scheme uh, on sub packages. So that's the one, like, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent convinced that they're going to take linebacker, but that said, this draft being what it is, I also could see them taking Quay Walker or Nicobe Dean at 32. Or, yeah, you know, I, it, Because that's the thing, like you said, like there's some guys at the top of this board and I wrote this in the, um, and I know you got to go here in a second, but I wrote this in the thing, the round tip we did the other day, and we've talked about this, you and I, and other people have too. Like, do not are are trying to trade back up to add. To, I think we can you, can you, wait. Hold on. Can you repeat that? I think we lost you again. Okay. Am I, am I back? Am I back? <laughs> yeah. Back? Right as you were about to punch someone that point. Me. Someone you. was calling me. Someone was calling me. Right on left. Make sure. Do not rule lose. out. Do not rule out the Lions as a possible trade back up. You know, into the first round uh, to add on to the. You know, take a, take a guy at two and then trade back up to take another defender in the top half of the first round because there's multiple guys. That's what I'm saying. There's multiple guys that this staff really, really likes a lot. And yep. if, to, to even narrow it to two would be probably doing it a disservice. There's a lot of guys. So I think that depending how it shakes, like they're definitely going to look after they take it too because I don't think they're trading off two. I think they're going to pick it two and then spend the rest of Thursday looking to see if they can get back up. I think that's going to be on the table, you know, how much it actually comes to fruition. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they could be very busy. Like I think you could use 34 to trade up and then trade back out of 32 at the end of the day. Like there could be a lot of moving parts here in the last hour and a half of this draft round one for them. So um, all right, I got to bounce. Nick will okay, okay. bring you home. Thanks to everyone who are participating. And uh, make sure, you're, yeah, I know a couple people mentioned that Brad Holmes Q&A. So thanks to everyone for checking that out. But that's up on the site. I think we still got our uh, dollar mm-hmm. per month subscription so deal going. Nick and I got uh, 
as I mentioned earlier, we're working on our final mock draft tomorrow. That'll run th- early Thursday morning, so you can get that too. So I'll sign off there, leave you with Nick, and uh, we'll do this again sometime. We're, awesome. we're both on the whole time, I think. <laughs> I will Have take fun. over from here. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> and I appreciate fun. Everyone, as always. So if anyone else has any questions, I do have Lauren in the queue. I'm going to get to her in one second here. If anyone else has any questions, raise your hand and we will get to them. And with that, I'm going to approve Lauren. And Lauren, if you're still on. Yeah, I am. This is under my right. name. So. Oh, okay. I'm, not a, got I'm, I'm Sam. Um, Sam, how are we doing? <coughs> All right. Question I had. Um, so you guys kind of talked about it like before. But the idea of, like, you know, you kind of get to that, like, middle of the second, like, late first and then into the third. It kind of comes down to, like, the linebacker safety receiver debate in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even, like, you know, tight end. I know guard has been kind of a discussion from what I've read at least. Yeah. What, like, what value do you think and pleasant place on, like, the idea of, well, we got to get more, you know, athletes athletes in at corners like a guy like Zion McCollum or like I know you like Kobe Bryant a lot like Wolin those type of guys like how high of an emphasis do you think they place on that and versus how high of an emphasis the league places because then you know you're maybe waiting more on linebacker um, and taking one of those guys higher Uh, just kind of like what range do you think those guys will go in that's a really good question and I don't like for Glenn um, I think it would be more about personality and sort of willingness to be, you know, kind of tenacious. I think that's what they look for more. I mean, length and everything is obviously something they, they want in a corner, but you know, some of the traits guys with like the super explosive traits, like McCollum, like you mentioned, and, and there's some other guys there that are just complete freaks in this draft that I wouldn't think would make it beyond the third. I would think those are guys that yeah. aren't going to be there on Saturday, but I don't know if that's, you know, cause I did take Malafon last year and I think that's a Holmes guy. I think he's, all the way into that sort of thing, um, you know, but, you know, I think it would also have to be about, you know, can the, if, in order to play corner for this, in this defense, you have to be, that's why we like Kobe Bryant a lot because he is a dog. I mean, he is, doesn't, you know, give a shit. He's all in your face. Like he's the guy, I think that, you know, sauce Gardner sort of credits uh, <laughs> for helping develop his mentality uh, there at Cincy. So like, that's the kind of guy I think that they look at a lot and say, like, are you confident out there? Can you hang, you know, at the line of scrimmage and press if we ask you to press? Can you, you know, play in phase and can you play within the structure of the defense? And also, like, you know, are you willing to tackle and can you be physical and can you not back down when you're being challenged? That's the stuff I think they look at. Like, that's why a guy like Kerry Jacobs, you know, was sort of able to hang, you know, here last year um, in a situation where otherwise maybe he wouldn't even have gotten a look. I mean, the only reason really at the end, maybe not the only reason, but the biggest reason why he got on their radar was like on day one of camp, he gets into a fight. <laughs> and like, they're like, okay, who's this guy? So that's, you know, definitely something at corner. I think that they absolutely uh, value maybe more than anything else. So I don't think that they would take a leap on a guy just because of traits. Yeah. It would have to be, you know, with the personality right. as well. So that maybe sounds like maybe I'm reading wrong into it. Um, but it sounds like, you know, because I think the rest of the league, maybe I'm wrong, but like he's placed on, you know, like athletic testing and especially like guys' explosiveness. Maybe that's not as like, I mean, it is because Malfon was kind of like that, but more so like the ability to like in yeah. your face. Do you think that maybe like have them like harder longer than like some of us would expect and maybe focus? Oh, I lost you there. Can oh. you say it one more time, Sam? Yeah, I just was. Sorry, I got you back. Saying like, 
I feel like around the rest of the league, it's more about like, I mean, especially at corner, you see like very explosive guys getting drafted higher and higher mm-hmm. um, and just kind of hoping to mold them like that, like ball of clay. But it sounds like yes. Glenn is more the idea of like, yes, we just need someone in there as a dog. And so do you think that could maybe have them waiting longer than us expect and maybe go for like a different position than like, cause I would think corner is a bigger position in need than some people seem to seem to say, you know, you got to get talent in there, but it sounds like they're more focused on like, the scheme we just we just need someone to fight in there i i mean i agree with you in that you know it is a big need and i think that at for the right guy you know and that's what we, chris chris and i just talked about like for the right guy that they would you know consider moving back up like if stingley or somebody is sliding in the first round then that's a guy that i think they would be like let's go get him like because that's a guy that they love up there that you know that i think is in that conversation of several guys that they think would be you know man that would be great if we could get this guy you know like that so th- there are guys at corner in this class i think but there's not a ton and so to your point yeah i think that if it's not super early at corner you could definitely see them maybe waiting because maybe you take a guy that you know is going to fall because you like him and other you know other people maybe aren't going to like him for certain reasons but you know you can work with him i think aaron glenn definitely sees that with a lot of guys you've seen that with some of the guys they've signed even you know that you know guys they picked up that maybe he likes that for whatever reason somebody else didn't and you know they're going to give a shot to because he thinks he can make it work and more often than not he has in you know his short coaching career so i think the lions are in a situation where they're okay kind of trusting him all right appreciate you i'm sure awesome. you have other questions thank you thanks sam appreciate it yeah, see you. all right we've got carl uh bringing carl on board here carl are you uh are you with me oh you're on mute carl is that better there you go yes Beautiful. sir cool all right Nick. how are we doing uh thanks for having me on absolutely uh, um i still need to kind of you know obviously the top of the draft everyone's been talking about edge mm-hmm. and you know, uh, I still need to get my hands around what the Lions currently have at edge. Who's playing strong side? Who's playing weak side? What are our long-term pieces? Mm-hmm. And then how do – and then Kayvon Thibodeau and uh, – or Thibodeau and yeah. Hutchinson are very opposite. You know, Hutchinson's right. played the strong side his whole time, and Thibodeau's played the weak side. I think Charles Harris played mostly strong side for the Lions. Romeo mm-hmm. Carr was strong side. Um, they lost Trey Flowers, who was a weak side, even though he was bigger. Right. And Harrison Okwara being strong side, but they're smaller. And how does that work transitioning to the new style defense? Well, I think that you're right in saying that, you know, guys like that, they're different. They're different. You know, Kayvon and Aiden are different types uh, whereas a guy like Trayvon Walker, I think they would all, most people project he could be both types. You know, he could be a guy that could maybe rush off the edge in time once he gets everything put together. And also a guy who can stand up and be a hammer, you know, on the edge, like, like we think of when we think of Aiden. Um, and so, you know, it's an interesting, um, I guess, question to sort it all out. And I think the best answer that I have is that what it seems to me is that, that they're looking for guys who can play multiple spots, uh, no matter what. And I think that, you know, you look at a guy like Anzarike, like he can play inside. If you were in an even front, he could play either inside tackle spot. If you were in a uh, odd front, he could play, you know, a heavy end. That's three spots, you know, maybe we're talking about there with him. Frankly, Levi, if his, if his body is right, 
if you have the right setup up there, he could be a heavy end for you in an, in an even front. So, I mean, like, those are the type of things. I think they're looking for athletes who can play multiple spots. So, if you're looking at, like, like one guy, for instance, that I don't think they, you know, watch them take him, uh, that, that I don't think they would take is a guy like George Perlathis at Purdue. Um, you know, he's a guy that I would have questions more so with the run defense, whereas, like, he's going to be a good pass rusher, but I don't know if he can – play on first and second down. They need a guy who can play multiple spots and play like all the time. So I think Romeo Aquara is a guy that's a heavy edge for them who could also play on the other side. And Charles Harris is a guy who can play heavy edge, but he could also play on the other side. Like, I think that they're looking for guys who can do a little bit of everything. And Kayvon, I actually think is, is a guy in time that you can, you can add to that list because I think, you know, as play strength sort of develops in his body, he's, a, he's still young. Uh, and everything else that, you know, with his ability to get low and get under people, um, you know, his value in the run. And I think you can move him inside and tinker with that, too, the same way that we've seen them tinker with Julian Aquar a little bit, too. So long story short on the whole Ramble here is I think it's versatility. I think they're looking for guys who can do a little bit of all of that because that's what you need nowadays in the NFL. Edge is just sort of like it's just code for the guys that are on the edge or on the on the defensive end. It's like your overhangs. The guys that are just there in space that have to take over that whole you know, kind of difficult area to cover. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and actually, you brought up Julian. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think he's, uh, you know, I'm, I was just looking through the photos that are being put out. Mm-hmm. He looks trim. And like, yeah, like Derek Barnes looks bigger than <laughs> Julian right now. <laughs> and like that was that was the case last year, too. And it was a case for him in college. And it's like, I can't decide like where he's, I don't know if it's good or bad because there's uniqueness about his body as a pass rusher that I think gives people problems that we saw that last year. Like he can get real thin and slippery and they were doing stuff with him where, um, you know, they were either standing him up and sort of rushing him, you know, maybe in an A or B gap, or they were like even putting him, I think, and sliding him inside and having the hand on the dirt and rushing inside too. Like there's just weirdness about his body that I'm not, I'm not, so I agree with you. Like he's, Super thin. I don't think he's a guy that's going to ever be your heavy, you know, stand-up edge setter. But I also think Julian Aquar is a guy that can be a hand on the ground, pass rusher off the edge in a even front, and a stand-up outside linebacker that can float back and cover. And I think I do wonder if that's something where that might be more his future as a guy who's hybrid in a rush and cover type scenario where, you know, less so with a run defense. Cool. Which will be even yeah. more important when they absolutely only have two linebackers on the field. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or one. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Appreciate it, Carl. Thanks so much. But Okay. Thanks to Carl. Well, next up here, we'll go to Derek. We've got a couple other people on Derek. Are you with me? Hello. Hello. Derek, how are we doing? Good. Nick, how are you? Very good. Good. Um, I guess my question is kind of looking at, when we all assume the height of this Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell build to be and how that's going to affect what they target in this year's draft after, you know, the, the top two picks edge and safety. I think we can all agree that are the, the biggest spots of need here. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, and again, that's another one of those like, million dollar like the overarching things I think we think about all the time and I think that the answer for me a lot of times that I go back to is that when next year's drafts like this time next year 
next spring, whatever, like May of 2023, when next year's draft is over, the Lions need to have a roster that everyone can look at and reasonably say that's a team that can compete for the play, a playoff spot, right? I think that that's right. fair to ask. I think that, right. you know, for a fan, from a fan standpoint, if a fan were to ask, I think that's fair. And so when I look at this, that's why I think this draft is such a big deal because next year's draft to me needs to be about you are – you're trying to go out and find guys that can get you from a maybe this is going to be a good team to we know this is going to be a really good team. You know what I mean? Like guys that can get you yeah. over the top, guys that can make a good position great, or guys that can make a good thing great, guys that can go from you know you know put a little more gas into it. This is more of the foundation still, I think, and I think that that's why it's probably even more important. Like, and that's why we were talking about guys like we were just talking about the edge situation there. Like it's gotta be somebody who can, that's why the Aiden cave thing is such a, you know, challenging debate mm-hmm. for a lot of people, because it's like, it's gotta be a guy who can give you the most. It can't just be one thing. He's gotta be a guy who can play all four, you know, all three downs, no matter what we're doing. Right. And he's got, you've got to feel it all the time because they still are in such a spot right now where every guy they bring in has to be kind of like tied to the foundation. Like when, you know, I know everybody saw the uh, video, uh, of Campbell talking to Tracy Walker, like a lot of did um, on Twitter that they put out of him yeah. telling Tracy, you know, you belong here. Like yeah. they're still looking for that guy. Like the, you belong here guy. You're here. You're part of the wall. You know what I mean? Whereas next year you can probably take a chance on the guy. And if it doesn't work out, whatever, like, but if it does, and it's a guy that maybe doesn't all the way fit, but it's going to be a guy that adds value that otherwise wouldn't be there. You can take a risk. Like this sure. is still one where the risk can't outweigh you know, anything else. And I think that's where I kind of look at this draft for the Lions. So, so do you agree that the, those two big positions that are can't miss this year are going to be the edge and the safety? I mean, I feel like it's, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Because like what we just talked about, right? Like, I think that I would say those tie in with, and maybe you could say linebacker to a degree, you know, tight along end. with safety or tight, you know, but yeah, because I think it's those positions where we're talking about like you need savvy and you need a guy who can do many things like, and that's why I've never, I haven't really for the Lions concerned overly concerned myself much with the, the, the Aiden and Kayvon debate, especially because mm-hmm. I think both those guys are guys that can give you a lot and in time are going to be really, really good football players. And I think Walker will get there too, but Aiden and Kayvon are closer now. So it's not, it's not something that I would concern about because I think they'll, they'll be able to check a lot of boxes for you. And safety is another spot too, where, yeah, you have to have a guy that can help with the run, help set the back end in terms of assignment, and also go and cover. So it's like you're still looking for guys that can do all the dirty work plus make star plays. That's what wins football games. That's what does the thing at the end of the day. And it's like you started with the – last year was the absolute floorboard with Panay Sewell and the guys right at the ground. You know, you had some of those guys there with Frank and Jonah, guys that they found. And now it's about sort of adding to that. And next year will be about sort of finishing the project and seeing what you got. Awesome. So, Derek, I appreciate that. And we will move on here. We've got one more in the queue here. Gurley, I believe, was with us last time. Gurley, how are we doing? Hey, what's happening? How are we doing? I'm good, good. Listen, I'm a, I am a Ram fan, but a big golf supporter. Awesome. I, I, I've seen him um, perform, you know, down 13-9 in the NFC Championship game. No cup, no Gurley, and he brought the team back. So, I just believe that the Lions build the roster and put the yep. weapons around him, he can win playoff games for you and possibly take you take you farther. It, it takes a lot of luck and a lot of skill to make it to the Super Bowl. Like he's proven mm-hmm. he can do it. So 
Is he the greatest quarterback? No. Is he going to make the flashy play? No. But I don't need flashy. I just yep. need my quarterback to make the right pass at the right time. And I think his arm is getting a little uh, – uh, I don't know what the word, but he can throw the deep ball. He can. Right? Yeah. His confidence is what it is. It's, it's, right. It's, it's, so, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree with everything you said, really, because I think that we just actually talked about this in a roundtable we did the other day. Um, Deontay Lee, who covers the draft for us, does a great job, actually brought up Detroit as a possible candidate to go get San- Devo Samuel, you know, and, and his argument was just what you said. You know, Goff isn't maybe the world's greatest quarterback, but he's also not a complete bum. And if you do bring in guys who can maybe shorten your rebuild, maybe he'll surprise you. And I think that I, I would say, you know, to the Lions fans here, I mean, I think that this regime has entertained that. There were receivers in, in this free agent cycle that they thought about it didn't work out you know for you know for a number of reasons salary demands and everything else because you can't get too carried away but i think there's something mm-hmm. to be said about that like you can't just pin everything on well golf can't move and he can't do this and he can't save you and he can't bail you out of everything okay fine but like he's also got to have some guys to throw to and i think that exactly. the case can be made that if yeah if you bulk up and i think they've tried to do that to a degree but you know for the full evaluation of him yeah i think it's fair to say that it's got to be more, you know, around it for sure. I would agree with that. Yeah. Now, at wide receiver, are you um, – if, if both are available, which I doubt they will be because I think it's going to be a crazy run on wide receivers. But if Pickens and Watson are there at 34, mm. I, I, I prefer Pickens. But, yeah. like, who do you like more? I like Pickens too. Um, he's more physically, you know, from a – Physical, I guess like he's more. He's not thicker in terms of a body. I don't think they're both thin. Um, they're both long and thin. But Pickens has more of an edge uh, in a yes. blocking standpoint and everything to his game and everything else. And I like. I think I like his full pack. Sorry, I think I'm, I'm back now. Sorry about that. I think I got kicked out of yeah. the group. Yeah. But no, I think both yeah. guys are still in that situation where it's like you still have some stuff to prove, but um, yeah. yeah, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I know Watson did a lot of blocking, but I can't get over that image of Pickens knocking at Michigan. He is a freak. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, he's a physical, and he's been like that forever. Um, and some of that is just, I think, you know, there's some coaches that have questions about a lot of stuff with him, but also a lot of it is, you know, he hasn't been healthy and he hasn't been on the field for long stretches. So, you know, let's go see it. And I think that's part of it with him, but I like him a lot. I would, I would take him. Uh, and I okay. would, you know, if they're going to go receiver in there, I would think he would absolutely be in the mix there somewhere uh, down there as an ex candidate for sure. Okay. Great job. Great awesome. Job. Thanks really. Okay, everyone. Well, I think that, well, that's a good spot to uh, wrap up this week's, chat uh i know that uh a lot of you probably got some in before i could get them in there i know what we got uh, i don't know if we could do the hang on i'm trying to read this chat here i didn't think we had enough time to do the full mock that would have been difficult uh, to finish that all off and make it a little <laughs> messy but maybe next year we can uh we can put the whole thing together either way but in any event i know that chris and i will be back to do another live room i think at some point soon i'm sure at some point i should say i think when the draft is over we'll be back to chat with you about all things Lions and where this thing is headed. Obviously, a huge weekend ahead. Stick with The Athletic, of course, for all things NFL drafts. We will have everything covered uh, from head to toe. Uh, So for Chris, I am Nick. Thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you again soon.